Jeremiah was a bullfrog. Bum, bum, he was a good friend of mine. Hey, PD, how you doing, buddy? Uh, I'm doing okay, P-Dubs. How are you doing? Hey, man, I'm so joyful singing joy to the world. All the boys and girls now sing a little Jeremiah was a bullfrog. So that must mean our deeper dive. We're going into the book of Jeremiah. Indeed, man. He was a good friend of mine. So, yeah, uh, you were preaching this past weekend on uh, Little Jeremiah. So it's one of my favorite Three Dog Night songs. Yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know they were the ones who did that song. I mean, I know the song, but I don't know the musicians who did it. Yep, yep, for sure. So uh, good to be with everybody again. Uh, Hope we got you laughing right out of the gate and uh, intrigued a little bit. Right, yeah. When Pastor's just in a really good mood today, singing and laughing, and so it's always a fun time. Not that he's never in a good mood. No, you know, I don't know what it is. It's the Spirit of the Lord. It's just moving that Holy Spirit in you today. (laughs) Singing, earlier quoting things and voices. Uh Yeah, that reminded me of another song, The Spirit of the Sky. Going up to the spirit in the sky. I remember that came on like go there rock band. band. Uh, yeah, it yep. was one of my favorite songs to play. That was a play. tough song. It was. I always played the bass on that. But yeah, that was a tough song. I think that's the only reason I know that song was mm-hmm. originally because of that. Yeah, good old rock band. Fun times indeed. But yeah, but we're not diving into rock band, are we? We're diving into Jeremiah. And, Jeremiah. You know, and... In, you know, and that's just as fun diving into Jeremiah. Absolutely. You no, know, very uplifting text that we had this weekend from Jeremiah where people wanted to kill him. Yes. Because they didn't like his message. Yeah, Thankf- I know. Thankfully, people don't feel that way when they don't like our message at church. Ooh, I know. Thank the Lord for that. Uh, the Lord covers us in uh, his grace. Right. Yeah. He, he takes us under his wings as his. Yeah, as he, his, care, he, care. he is the mother hen, as he talks about in our gospel reading. Yeah, that was absolutely. for this past weekend. Great tie into the gospel. Yeah. Baby, I'm done for the day. There is my high note making that connection. I'm done for the day. Everybody, enjoy. Listen to P Dubs for the rest of the time here. Yeah, good stuff, man. And that's why we're excited to kind of talk to you about like uh, this text in in Jeremiah, as it does also relate to uh, the gospel lesson. So, yeah. Uh, so, so of of Jeremiah providing a message, and the people just didn't like it. No, and you know we still see that today, but. Before we kind of keep going into this deeper dive, let me read that text, and I'm going to kind of expand from what was the assigned reading for this week. And so, yeah, please get a don't. Whole thing. Yeah. So, sorry for those that are saying that. Well, this isn't following the pericope. That we're going off the pericope a little bit by adding here. Oh, oh my goodness! I know. So it begins in the beginning of the reign of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah. This word came to the Lord from the Lord. Thus says the Lord. Stand in the court of the Lord's house and speak all the cities of Judah that come to worship in the house of the Lord, all the words that I command you to speak them, not to be hold back a word. It may be they will listen and everyone turn from evil way, his evil way, that I may relent of a disaster that I intend to do to them because of their evil deeds. You shall say to them, thus says the Lord, if you will listen, not listen to me, to walk in the law that I have set before you, and to listen to the words of my servant, the prophets whom I sent to you urgently, though you have not listened, then I will make this house like Shiloh, and I will make this city a curse for all the nations of the earth. 
The priests and the prophets of all the people heard Jeremiah speaking these words in the house of the Lord. And when Jeremiah had finished speaking all that he had, the Lord had commanded him to speak to all the people, then the priests and the prophets and all the people laid hold of him, saying, You shall die. Why have you prophesied in the name of the Lord, saying, This house shall be like Shiloh, and this city shall be desolate, without inhabitant? And all the people gathered around Jeremiah in the house of the Lord. When the officials of Judah heard these things, they came up from the king's house to the house of the Lord, and took their seat in the entry of the new gate of the house of the Lord. Then the priests and the prophets said to the officials and to all the people, This man deserves the sentence of death, because he has prophesied against this city, as you have heard with your own ears. Then Jeremiah spoke to all the officials and all the people, saying, The Lord sent me to prophesy against this house and this city and all the words you have heard. Now, therefore, mend your ways and your deeds and obey the voice of the Lord your God, and the Lord will relent of the disaster that he has pronounced against you. But as for me, behold, I am in your hands. Do with me as seems good and right to you. Only know for certain that if you put me to death, you will bring innocent blood upon yourselves and upon this city and its inhabitants, for in the truth the Lord sent me to you to speak all these words in your ears. This is the word of the Lord. Yeah, thanks be to God. Yeah, that was uh, that's a long text, but it's good. It's got yeah. it's power packed with a lot of right. things. Right, like you know, I was as I was reading it here, you know, it was just standing out to me like that beginning part. Like, listen, like imagine being Jeremiah, like when it's like, hey, this is what I want you to say, mm-hmm. and you know, and they might turn away. Don't hold back a word. Yeah, in in uh, I'm looking at the NIV. It says, don't omit any word. You know, and. Uh, you know, that's rough to do when you're delivering a hard message that you know people are going to be not wanting to hear or very receptive to. Um, but don't omit a word. And boy, he didn't. No. And not a very uplifting message he was telling them. No, exactly. Um, you know, it's like you better listen and you better change your ways. Um, and if you do, so there was a little gospel in there, wasn't there? Like right. if you do, if you change your ways... God will relent the disaster uh, that he's planning because of the evil you have done. And see, I think that's a key there. Like, oh, God's planning disaster for us? No, it's based upon our actions of the evil that we have done. So this is the consequence of our actions. Kind of like Noah and the ark, that the people were such a rebellious and unfaithful people that Mm -hmm. he almost hit a soft reset button on that. Exactly, exactly. So... um, I was kind of approached in this in this vein, like uh, by a parishioner this past weekend, and just asked a random question out of the blue. And they said, "You know, Pastor, does God ever change His mind?" And uh, so I like, "Whew, that's uh, that's an interesting question." Right. And uh, you know, I was immediately drawn to Joel chapter two, I think verse thirteen, where it says, uh, uh, "Return to the Lord your God, uh, for He is." Gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And the last part says, he relents from disaster. And I said, based upon that, that shows that God changes. He he holds back disaster that is coming. So in that sense, I say he does change his mind. But then you get into the sovereignty of God, like he already knows all things. Right. And so like if he... 
if he knows that you're going to like um, return to him, then he knows that he was never going to bring the disaster in the first place. And so therefore he, you changed your mind and you were walking with him. So bang, there it is. Like he's, God is unchanging in his character and he doesn't like willy nilly change one way or the other, like a, like a like leaf shifting the, sand. Like or, a leaf in the wind. Yeah, exactly. Whatever your metaphor, he he is constant. And so that's what makes it a really interesting question. Right. And, you know, as we were kind of doing, talking about this a little bit before we started to record, I thought, you know, my mind went to J- Jonah mm. and that whole idea of like Jonah preached repentance to Nineveh. Hey, God's going to destroy the city in 40 days. And then they cover themselves in ashes and sackcloth. God relented. And then you get Jonah being like, this is why I didn't want to go. I knew you were going to relent. I knew you weren't going to destroy them. So this is why I didn't want to go. Yeah, Jonah already had feelings and judgments against these people. And, you know, first off, he thought there's no way in the world they're going to repent. So why even bother? I know these people. And then it was like, well, even if they do repent... I don't want them to repent because I don't like them in the first place. Right. And so it's that idea of like, well, did God know that he wasn't going to destroy them? Like you're talking about this, you know, predestination idea. And like I even Mm -hmm. had this conversation with a youth the other day as well. Kind of similar where I brought up the quote, you know, that familiar quote that people may have heard that yesterday's history, tomorrow's a mystery, today is a present. Mm. So it's saying, you know, you can't change what happened tomorrow. Don't worry about tomorrow. You know, and that fits into Matthew 6 and the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah. And today's a present. Yeah. You know, so I play on words that it's present, but it's also a gift. Mm-hmm. And so the kind of question came up of like, can you do anything today that will change what's going to happen tomorrow? Mm. And I put it in this perspective, like for a test, you know, for people taking tests. Does God already know what you're going to get on that test that you have the next day? So can you really change that? Mm. Like, okay, yes, you could study, and hopefully that would help your grade, but didn't God already know that you were going to study to help and benefit your grade? Yeah, I mean, you're talking on two different levels there. One is, like, God knows whether, A, you will study or not, uh, or, and B, the result of said exam based upon your previous choice of studying or not. He already knows the end result, but yet you as a human being... You know that, well, if I don't study, uh, there's a probability that I will not do so well. But if I do study, there's a greater p- probability that I will do better. And so in, in our mind, uh, our decision does change, could change the end result. Right. Um, but in God's economy, he looks, already knows the result, right? Like right. So... Yeah, it was very interesting, a lot, very heady in lot. your con- confirmation right, uh, one-on-ones. One-on-ones, and it was just like, and so we kind of went back and like, like well, isn't that more Calvinistic to say that, you know, mm-hmm. the predestination? Yeah, right, exactly. But it's like, well, God already knows, not saying that it's predestination, but God knows like even when it comes to like faith, if somebody is a believer, they could walk away from the faith, God knows if they're going to come back, so I'd... So he knows who's all going to be in the book of life, who's going to be in heaven. Mm-hmm. Even if they're at this in a season of life, they might be walking away from Jesus. Yeah, and it reminds me, as we talked earlier about Scripture, says that man uh, plans his his ways, but God establishes his steps. And so it's like, well, we can make all the plans we want, and and as we make decisions in our life, 
we go one way or the other through those decisions and uh, the results of those, but maybe God has a wider, longer view and um, gives us the ability to make decisions in our lives, but yet establishes our steps for the long journey, you know, of what he would have us to do in this world. Right. And as you're talking, it reminded me of, and I can't remember which devotion it was on the Bible app that we use, it was either Francis Chan or maybe Craig Groeschel, where it talked about how arrogant we are saying, oh, well, I'm going to be on vacation in Florida on these dates. Oh, yeah. And it's like, oh, really? I think it's Francis Chan. Okay. I thought, that's what I kind of initially thought. I remember was. that. And it's like, who do you think you are to say that, hey, on this day, you're going to be here? You don't know. Yeah. You need to say, God willing. And it's that whole idea of, like, we think we know what's going to happen mm-hmm. in the future, but only God really knows, and he establishes those steps, as you're talking about, from that proverb. Yeah. But that's what I started to think about, this whole idea of, like, oh, well, I'm going to be on vacation. Well, how do you know? Yeah. Something could change between now and then. Well, we just lived two, two years through something that we none of us planned, and but God knew that there would be something like this pandemic coming. And so we made all sorts of plans, right, for our future, no yeah, matter I mean, you know, personal, to, ministry, yeah, professional. Yeah, like to me, like I always think back to, like to me, though, on the things that pain me the most about COVID outside of like the deaths and all that stuff, like personally, ministry-wise, was the mission trip to Peru. Mm. I had all yeah, those, you had all these plans. I had all these plans. All these people signed up to go. We raised a good amount of money already, and then all of a sudden, it was out the window, and it a lot. I mean, that was one of the... Hard decisions to say, we're going to have to cancel or reschedule this trip. Right, right. But that was, you know, we had all these plans like, oh, yep, we're going to be there. Here's the date. We're going to go to Machu Picchu. Had all these wonderful plans. And then COVID happened. Right. But yet God established our steps through COVID. And, you know, we, we still carried out his work by spreading the gospel. And so, you know, you're probably going to either... Go on a different trip with uh, the kids, or maybe you know in the future you might decide to go to Peru, Peru again. And but the, the God already has established those things, and uh, in, in the middle of all that, we are we are navigating and trying to do our very best to um, move ahead, knowing that our plans w- could change very very quickly. And right. that's like that whole. Uh, Francis Chan thing, like you know, I, I did remember that devotion. He was coming, like, "Who are you? You're so arrogant," you right. know. And I thought, "Oh, that's a different way to think about and I was it." Like, oh man, I kind of feel ashamed of myself for thinking that way. Yeah, right. I felt the law really coming down on me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, back to our text in Jeremiah. So here, um, Jeremiah is faithful to God, and uh, he's he's speaking to the people in the Lord's house. You know, they're coming. Uh, to hear the word of the Lord, to worship in his house. And uh, so he tells them, you know, this, uh, this is what the Lord says. If you do not listen to me and follow my law, which I have set before you, and if you do not listen to the words of my servant, that the uh, servant, the prophets, whom I've sent to you again and again, uh, though you have not listened, then I will make your house like Shiloh and the city a curse of all nations. And, um, and so like, He's he's delivering the heavy law, right? And right. Uh, and they react just as you would expect, right? Not happy, not happy, and just kind of. I know I mentioned it a little bit in my sermon this weekend, but just kind of for those maybe if you didn't hear that, 
what Shiloh is, because when you hear that, you're like, well, what is he talking about Shiloh? I know there's mm-hmm. a town in southern Illinois called Shiloh. I think of the book I read when I was in like late elementary school called Shiloh about a boy and his dog. Mm-hmm. But what I found is that the Lord reminds of people what he did to Shiloh. And this was a city about 22 miles north of Jerusalem. The Ark of the Covenant was enshrined there for a time. But when the sacred chest was degraded to a good luck charm, it was captured by the Philistines, and the city was destroyed. Mm, yeah, looking at looking at the presence of God as a good luck charm. Right. Wow. Yeah, for sure. So, um, and and so in verse eight, the end of verse eight. Uh, but as soon as the people finished, as soon as he, Jeremiah finished telling all the people everything the Lord commanded, uh, the people seized him and said, "You must die." Right. Ooh, boy, that's a. That's a rough... said. Thankfully, nobody's ever said that to us after a sermon. Exactly. Um, But so there there it is. It's like, you know, uh, God is saying to his messenger, if you return to me, if you repent, I will change the course of things that are right before you in your life. Uh, And in this case, disaster. Because, as we said before, the disaster is coming... Because of their previous actions and unbelief. Right. And um, and as you were talking, I was thinking, because I think it was what we did last year for Lent, as we're in Lent right now, our theme was return to the Lord. Mm-hmm. It was. That whole idea, and that was why we were talking about it, because like, you know, with everything with COVID, it kind of changed the landscape of how churches exist and mm-hmm. how church is done. And we're like, this is a great reminder to return back to the Lord, return back to his house. Mm-hmm. And that's the message he's kind of preaching here. Not that it's saying we were horrible, sinful people like they were doing there. I mean, well, we are. We sin- are. We are. Yeah. But God wasn't proclaiming his destruction against us like he was here in Jeremiah. Yeah. But still that returning back to him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you think about it, when you ha- do return back to the Lord, what a great feeling that is. Yes. And, and therein lies, you know, the answer to the question, like, does God change his mind? Well, of course. I mean, first off, he loves us so much. And so then he he's willing to mm, carry out the law uh, and allow the consequence of our sins to happen. But he is urging us through his prophet, uh, Jeremiah, and also through Jesus to change and to repent and to come back to him. So like, I'm trying to give you... I'm really trying for you to get, have this aha moment like, oh, I better I better change right. because I see disaster on the horizon. And he even says, I'm willing to make that not happen if you come back to me. And so like while it, it sounds so heavy on the law and harsh, um, there's a lot of grace. You know, as you had said earlier, Jesus says, uh, you know, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often have you killed the prophets that have come to your town? And now he's about ready to go and be killed. Mm-hmm. He goes, I, I wish and desire to gather you under my wings. Like, that's the grace of God. Right, that he's trying to unite us. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but that's what we need in this world today is being united and mm-hmm. being gathered under the hen's wing, in this case, God or Jesus, being gathered under their wings and understand that we're brothers and sisters in Christ and that we all have fallen short and have sinned and hurt one another. Right. And mm-hmm. where we can be gathered under his wings, we can find that reconciliation, that forgiveness, and that peace. Mm. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, while it's not a message that any of us want to hear, it's something that's needed uh, to change our hearts. And, uh, oh, what was I... Um, you know, the thing where their hearts were in the Jeremiah text, a little afterwards, uh, they had said something like... Uh, Well, first off, they say, you know, like uh, in verse 16, this man should be, uh, oh, that's, that's wrong. I'm getting a little ahead of myself. But um, they, were, they were really upset because, oh, here it is, verse 11. This man should be sentenced to death because he has prophesied against this city. You've heard it with your own ears. Like, how dare you say something bad about this town? You right. know, like, well, you don't get it. You know, you're, that's... That's what's the problem. Right. You're not you're 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 making your town like too big and you're you don't have God in it. Almost that you have more pride in, hey, I'm from this town. Yeah. When our pride should be that we are a son or a daughter of, of Christ. God. Yes. Yes. Or of God. Yeah, exactly. that's kind of where I was going with this. And like just the the hubris of it, like you're speaking against our town, you know, like pastor. Why are you speaking against Palatine? Well, I'm going to speak against Algonquin because what good can come out of Algonquin? <laughs> I don't know. Did you see me under the fig tree? <laughs> no, I did not. I don't know if there's any fig trees in Algonquin. I, I don't know either. But yeah, that whole idea and like with this hubris as you bring up, that's a great word, by the way. Hubris. hubris. Yes, it is. But you know, you see this throughout the history of time. You see that right away in Genesis with the Tower of Babel. Mm. Let's make this tower so we can get to God and be all about us. Mm-hmm. And here you have it, and even nowadays you have it with people like, oh, well, I'm this or that, and mm-hmm. look at how great I am. Yeah, right, right. And so the Lord takes us down a peg. And uh, so, you know, here he, he gives us every chance to return. I mean, I can't think... Uh, you you see this message recurring over and over and over again. God sent his prophets. God sent uh, Moses and, you know, and um, all these people. And God sent Jesus. And uh, it's kind of like the story that Jesus talked about, the man who had a vineyard or something, and the master goes away, and he looks to collect the rent, and so he sends someone to collect it, and they beat up the guy and uh, he he's like barely returned all beaten up and he didn't get the money that he deserved or the rent. And so he sends another one, same thing. And then he goes, aha, I will send my own heir, my son. Right. They'll they treat him with respect. They won't mess with him. Yeah. And so then Jesus tells the story that they not only beat him up, but they killed him. Right. And so, um, you know, Jesus is so crafty. He's telling the story of himself right in front of the people who are going to do it to him. Right. And, and um, they still, like, get from, angry. It's like, the same response that we have in Jeremiah, that indignant attitude that, yes. like, how dare they? Mm-hmm. And same with Jesus there when he told the Pharisees that, like, how dare he talk against us? Right. And so, like, we see a lot of this with the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, which, you know, if they had changed their ways, do you think Jesus would have um, forgiven them? Well, yeah, I mean, look at what he prayed on the cross. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. There you go. There you go. And, uh, you know, so is that, you know, Jesus asking for forgiveness for these people who put him on the cross, is that him asking the Father to change his mind, you know, about these people? Well, even, you know, going to the garden when he's like, Father, take this cup 
of suffering away from mm-hmm. me, thinking, hey, could you maybe change the plan of how you're going to save the people? Because I know what's ahead of me. I'm really not looking forward to that. Yeah. Yeah, that's the humanness in Jesus at the moment. And uh, although he wasn't sinful, um, it was just a moment of intense pressure in Gethsemane, which means... Oil, oil press or oil, olive press. Olive press, yeah, a lot of pressure. Get all that those oils out. So um, he's under a lot of pressure. And so he asks the Lord, you know, is this, could this be taken from me, but not thy will, but your will be done? Right. And um, so, yeah, it's a great question, isn't it? Like, does God change his mind? And you could, you know, you could just go in circles, but I think it really boils down to the character of God. You know, he is unchangeable. Uh, the, the scripture says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So he's unchangeable. He doesn't change, uh, probably in the long view, I guess, is how you look at it. But he he is willing to change disaster in our lives that is in, that is on the horizon to save us. Right. But he knows that we're going to repent. Yeah. You know, it's that old, like that old question, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Yeah, exactly. You can just argue either side and just keep going in circles, but the key is God is forgiving and he shows us his grace time and time again. Mm-hmm. And that is the joy of the world. Joy to the world. All the boys and girls now. I mean, I don't know how you... Joy to the fishes in the deep blue sea. I just love saying that. I mean, I think this is just the perfect spot to end it because, you know, we we start with you singing and I think we should end with you singing. (laughs) Amen. So thank you everybody for tuning in today and hope to have you guys come back and listen to some more. (laughs) 